Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40, reading today from the Common English Bible. You can find it in your bulletin on page 6. It follows the parable of the wedding and a conversation in which the Sadducees doubt uh, the resurrection, a questioning of Jesus on the resurrection. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had left the Sadducees speechless, they met together. One of them, a legal expert, tested him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? He replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Steve. As you can probably well tell this morning, I have a little bit of a sinus kind of thing going on. I told the crowd in the chapel this morning, I said, I don't know what's worse, my natural speaking voice or this one. I'll let you determine but you don't need to share with me what you decide, all right? Okay. I, I remember years ago when I was uh, out at Chilhowie, a small little town down by Warrensburg. I was preaching down there, and I was being considered for an associate's position at a church in the suburban area. And so the pastor of this church sent down a, a retired elder to come and listen to me preach one Sunday, a guy by the name of Elroy Hines. And Elroy came down, and he listened to me preach, and it would have been the Sunday where I felt absolutely horrible. I have no idea if I made sense or not that day. I'm hoping I make sense today. At least my notes on Thursday when I put them together made a lot of sense to me then. I hope they still make sense today. But remember, as we talked about this conversation and got into it, we are talking about how hard it is for us to love today. Most of us live in a world, and, and we see this way too much, where it's way too antagonistic person against person, idea against idea, ways in which we are competing with one another for power and resources and all these things. It's it's hard for us to figure out how to practice love. And yet last week we read that in 1 John it says that when we love God, God is in us and God remains in us. And God gives us then the power to love those that are around us. And that's part of what this series is about. How we figure out how to remain in God so that God remains in us, so that we can love God and love others. Love our neighbors is what we're talking about this week, right? Now, for those of you that are kind of black and white and you need parameters and strict kind of definitions, here's the definition of a neighbor. A neighbor is anyone who isn't your family. Amen? Right? It's basically anyone who isn't your family. It doesn't depend upon your address. It doesn't depend upon... Factors like age and sex and race and sexual orientation or economic status. Your neighbor is anyone you come in physical proximity with on that day at any time during that day that isn't your family. And we are called to love them. We are commanded to be a people who love them. Maybe a motto for life that we should have is is that we should love everyone, whether they are family, friend, acquaintance, or stranger. Would that be a nice motto to have? and to try to live by versus some of the others that are out in the world that we listen to and we try to employ. I was reading this week on all kinds of mottos that we live by in this world. 
the mottos that you see plastered on Facebook and on plaques and posters around your offices, things like that. Here's a, a couple of that I thought I'd share with you that maybe you have seen before that are mottos that you might have seen others live by or want to live by. Aristotle once said that happiness depends upon ourselves. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, nothing can bring you peace but yourself. Shakespeare, of course, said, above all, to thine own self be true, right? Judy Garland once said, always be a first-rate version of yourself instead of a second-rate version of somebody else. There's a guy by the name of Jonathan Huey who is a uh, author and a guest and a speaker. He said, I say no to the demands of the world. I say yes to the longings of my heart. Nike, of course, says just do it. And the army says that if you join us, you can come and be the best you can be, right? Think about those mottos that we live by. As you listen to those mottos, what was one of the things that you noticed about them? What are they predicated on? Self. How much time do we spend as people on ourselves? How much time do we give to ourselves? Are we the person that we love the most in our world? If you think about it, if you broke down your time, your energy, your resources, and you put it into a pie chart, what would your pie chart look like? Would it be taken up a lot with self? Would it be taken up with parts of it in different ways as well? What would your pie chart look like? Now, I... I admit, I would probably struggle with that kind of an exercise because I'm not sure I really want to see what my pie chart might look like. It might tell me some revealing things about how much time I put in areas of my own life and what I think about self. And it might show that I have some, some areas that I need to work on when it comes to being an authentic disciple of Jesus Christ, especially when it comes to this idea of loving my neighbor as much as I love myself. I wonder how many of us would struggle with that as well? Or how many of us it would be easy for us to do that kind of pie chart? To be able to sit down and say, yeah, about 15% of mine is self-care, about 75% of it is focused on, on my family and my core group that's around me, about 10% of it's given to the associates that I work with. When we think about it, how would your pie chart look? Now I'm going to suggest to you that self and family are actually one and the same. That love of self and family is all incorporated in this idea of what it means to love yourself. Because your family is part of who you are and your identity. Your neighbors are not part of your identity. Now, I think I'm the, the luckiest man on the planet. Did you guys hear that? I'm the luckiest man on the planet. I'm the luckiest man on the planet because I believe I have the best spouse. God has given me the privilege of being and doing life together with Margaret, and I am truly blessed. And you know what? On most Sundays, she would be here to hear that. But today would be the Sunday where she is traveling for business. So I need a witness out there to let her know that I actually said this in front of a crowd. Amen? Right? But I am. I'm blessed. I have the, I'm lucky. I'm a lucky guy. And we are a blended family. You all know that, right? And I count it a very high honor and a privilege. That our two stepdaughters, my two stepdaughters, have incorporated me into their life. I am their family. We share no blood, right? I'm their stepdad, but yet they, they have taken my love and they have given love in return. They have received my respect and given respect in return. It's always interesting when they come to me and they ask me for my advice or for my counsel on what they should do in their lives. 
Kendra and Crystal may not be my blood relation, but they are my daughters, just like my son Jordan and Brooke are my children. They are literally a part of myself. Your family is like that too, friends. You're enmeshed in them. You're immersed in their lives. They are a part of you, whether they be your children, your parents, your aunts, your uncles, your siblings, your nieces, your nephews, whatever. They are all a part of you, and they are all a part of what it means for you to love yourself. You hear what I'm saying? If I did a quick check-in with you, do you hear what I'm saying? You may not agree with me, but do you at least hear what I'm saying? Now, I would say for some of us, family can be a little trying, right? But even in that, even the family that's a little trying, God did not have to command us to love our family. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God commands us to love our family. Only in the Bible does it say that we have to love others. We are commanded to love others. You think about the passage that was read. It's actually recorded in two different Gospels. The passage that was read this morning. It's recorded not only in Matthew, it's also recorded in Mark. But they're two distinct stories because they're different in how they are, are portrayed by the Gospel writers. In Mark, the story is actually a rather positive encounter that Jesus has with an expert in the Jewish law. This man comes to him truly inquiring about the best way to live. And he asks Jesus, so what is the summation of the law? And Jesus says to him, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Leviticus 18, Love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That is what the law and the prophets are predicated on. And the guy agrees with Jesus. He says, I agree. I read the scriptures. I read the law. And yes, I think that is the best way to live as well. And Jesus recognizes in this man a heart that is truly trying to find his way. He says, you are really close to living out the kingdom of God. Keep pursuing that. Matthew, though, turns the story around a little bit. In Matthew, it's actually a controversy. It's a moment of controversy between Jesus and the Jewish leadership of his day. And they're trying to figure out how to trap Jesus in this moment so they can minimize his ministry. So they can basically thwart it from there on. They're hoping to get rid of and derail this guy. So they ask him a challenging question, right? What is the greatest commandment in the law? Now Jesus has 16, 613 options in this moment. Because the law is made up of 613 different commands. 248 of them are positive, 365 of them are negative commands. He could have chosen any one of them to answer their question, and yet Jesus chooses that same answer that's recorded in Mark. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The law and the prophets hang on these two Jesus picks the two commands that he believes portrays the heart of not only the law and the prophets, but also the heart of God who gave the law, a heart of love. And these two commands, you would think would be natural, but they weren't. The people could not figure out how to live into them. And you think about us, too, how much we struggle as well to try to figure out how to live into that kind of life where we love everyone else as well. In the Bible, it actually says, you shall love. In the common English we read today, it said, you must love. You shall is a command. Because we have to be reminded 
that we need to love those that are beyond our family. Just as God's covenant people needed to be reminded, we too must be reminded to practice love of our neighbor. Friends, you think about the world around us. The world around us keeps reminding us, and and we keep hearing over and over this command. We need to learn how to love the world that is around us because it needs something different than what's going on and what we see today. We need to be ones who are spreading this command of love God and love neighbor because we believe it's what's going to cure the ills of this world. And it takes every single one of us acting on this. There's a couple of guys out at Harvard by the name of Ron Heifetz and Marty Linsky. They are researchers, they are professors at Harvard, and they wrote a lot of books on leadership. They have a quote in several of their books, but they say this, Leadership is not a position, it is an activity. Thus, anyone can lead at any time. Right? So you think about that as, as just kind of a motif of how people can operate, right? I'm going to suggest to you that love is not merely an emotion. Love is also an, an activity. And thus, any one of us can love at any time. It's just we've got to make the space for it. Especially for those who are our neighbors. Those who are around us. I've got a brother that's a, a year, a month, and a day younger than I am. My brother, Jerry. We're separated by, by 13 months and a day, right? And, and he's uh, been struggling over the past few years with diabetes. He was uh, diagnosed with it. And a couple of months ago, he had a stroke. And so he's been struggling trying to recover from the stroke and its side effects and things like that. My brother's one of those kinds of people that's, that doesn't take from others real well. He's a giver. He's a giver personality. Always has been. If you ever called him up and said, I need help with something, he'd drop whatever he is doing. He'd be right over and he'd help you with whatever is important to you in that kind of moment. That's just, that's his personality, the type of person he is. He and my sister-in-law have lived out in the Belton area for 27 years now. They've got a lady that lives catty corner across the street from them. And she's an elderly woman who basically can't take care of her yard. Hasn't for quite a while. And they go over, whenever they're out mowing their yard, they'll go over to her yard and they mow her yard. They help her with her leaves and all the different kinds of things. That's just the way that they are. They love her. It's part of who their witness is. And if you think about it, nowhere in the city did it, did, is there a law that says you have to go across the street and help your neighbor. And their homeowners association doesn't have anything in it that assigns them responsibility to go over and help her. No, it's part of their witness of what it means for them to love God and love their neighbor. That's the kind of people that they are. In the mid-1970s, there was a couple that moved in next to my parents in Grandview. They bought the house on the north side of them. Their names are Terry and Marion White. They moved in with their three young grade school daughters, and they've lived there ever since. The Whites and my parents basically not only became neighbors, but they became family to one another over the many years. A few years ago, Marion died of COPD, and all the family, and, and all of my family, we gathered for her visitation and for her funeral. And we're standing there in the, in the funeral home in the Grandview area, and I saw someone that I did not expect to see there, a lady by the name of Ardeth Drynick. And Ardeth and her husband, Ivan, owned a company in Lee Summit called R&D Tools, and I found out that Terry had worked for them for 35 years until he retired. I never knew that was where he worked. How small the world is in those little intricate connections, right? A few years ago, my parents bought back some family land, and they moved back down to the Butler area. And one of my younger brothers, Sean, bought my family home, and he lives in it now. 
He goes over now and he takes care of Mr. White's yard because Mr. White's gotten to the point that he can't mow his own yard very well. They have all kinds of lovely plants that they put out every single summer and they grow. They've got these big banana palms that they grow on the side of the house. Well, they dig them up every year and take them down in the basement. But Mr. White can't do those kinds of things all by himself. So my brother Sean, he goes over and he helps out because that's what it means to love your neighbor. You know, I say God bless the saints of the world who intentionally or unintentionally live into this. It's part of them to love their neighbor. They don't need to be commanded to do so. And I think it's the saints that make the world a better place. Amen? Secretly, though, I wish that were me. Because that's not me. I have to post a sticky note in my car. I have to write things down on my fridge. I have to put things intentionally on my calendar, in my iPhone, to remind me of some of the things that I need to do that demonstrates this, that lives this out, because I wasn't gifted this way by God. My brothers, they were. God didn't give this to me. It's not innate within me as it might be in many of you. And so I have to be reminded that I need to act. I need to show what it means for me to love my neighbor. Two years ago, Margaret and I bought a house over in the Brookside area, over off 56, Terrace and Main. So Main Street's literally on the side. It's a, it's a main road right on the side of our house. And I watch people walk up and down the street all the time, out walking their dogs and everything like that. I've got wonderful neighbors right on the west of me are Dave and Brenda. They're members at St. Paul's. They go to church there. Caddy Corner across the street from me are John and Lisa Lewis, which actually have a relative that goes to church here by the name of Jack Dunbar. His daughter and son-in-law live across the street from me. Right across the street from me is a young couple by the name of Stephen and his wife. And he's got small little kids. And he's a, he's a firefighter. He lives in what's called the old McGonagall house. McGonagall's own the house that's right across the street from us. About two years ago, though, I, owned, I noticed another neighbor. She doesn't own a house, and I don't think she rents a house in our neighborhood. And I don't think she owns a car. I think basically everything that she owns is in a couple of backpacks and some sacks that she carries up and down the street as she goes from Brookside to the South Plaza area. I see her occasionally in the Panera, especially in the wintertime. She'll go sit in there. She's got a notebook that she opens up. It's blank. There's nothing written on the pages. She has a conversation with herself. And I've watched her a few times. I've seen her several times, actually. But you know what? I've never said anything never stopped and engaged her. You know the difference between emotion and between empathy and compassion? Empathy is defined as an emotion that you feel when you see someone in distress and hurting, but you're not moved enough to action. Compassion is the emotion that you feel when you see someone in distress or hurting, and it compels you to act on their behalf. Probably have felt a lot of empathy for this young woman. I think it's probably time I feel some compassion for her. Think about the world in which you live and the folks that you encounter who are your neighbors. For those of you that God has gifted you the ability to engage people naturally, thank God every day for that because you are a blessing to them. You are demonstrating what it means to love your neighbor. For the few of us where that's a challenge, Pray that God fill us with the Spirit. Give us the heart that we might love our neighbors in true, tangible, and meaningful ways.
So search your soul today. Ask yourself, am I the kind of person that just naturally engages people? Do I see them as my neighbor? Do I try to figure out how to love them as God wants me to love them? Or is it a challenge for me? Ask God. Ask God today for the power to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, we come before you in this moment. We know that so often our days can become wrapped up in in the things that are right before us. We find ourselves living with our heads down, focused. We've got to get through our task, our agenda. We've got to get certain things accomplished. We've got important things to do for our family, for ourselves. We've got activities that we are involved in. And how quickly all of our time can just simply slip away. We find ourselves maybe oblivious to the world around us. We find ourselves not seeing the person that is our neighbor that's in need. Lord, maybe shake some of us, those of us that struggle with this. Stir our hearts and our bones. We might be people that begin to respond with loving action. We might see those in need around us and come to their aid. That compassion might be the great emotion that we begin to experience and feel, the great activity and action that demonstrates your love in this world. For the saints that are here that do this naturally, Lord, we are blessed by them. And I pray that you continue to bless their neighbor through them. Lead and guide each one of us in the way that you would have us to go, O God. And we pray this in the name of your Son.